unlike any time before in the history of humanity, we live in a world of signals and honestly, of noise. Have you ever thought about how many messages, how many voices, how many signals surround us at any moment in any day wherever we go? Um, I found an interesting app. Um, I don't, don't know how well this is going to work because of the a little bit of lag time on the, on the screens, but I found an app called The Architecture of Radio that gives you a glimpse into the world right around us, right where we are. All right, so I'm going to attempt to, to see if we can make this work. And so on this app, when I, we'll see, there's lag time. It looks really cool, trust me. Anywhere I turn, I will begin to see signals. Is anything happening out there? Okay, the, the big red ones, those are wife, oh, excuse me, those are routers that are around us. The tall white ones, those are cell towers. If you can barely see, if I tilt it up a little bit, the blue dots and the white dots, those are satellites. And over it, you will see um, a web. It's kind of hard to see on the contrast there. Maybe it's better if I just do it from here. There's a web of sound and signals from radio, from television, from all kinds of voices that are all around us. Any direction that we look, we're surrounded by messages, by sound. Now, the reason why I want to use that as an illustration is because what is true of us physically um, amongst the electronic signals around us is even more true spiritually. Your life and my life is surrounded by messages and by noise that is constantly seeking to influence our life. What we choose to listen to will make all the difference in how we live. We have to have a process to be able to filter through the sounds and the messages that come at us through the media, through our parents, through our upbringing, through school, through everything that we're exposed to, social media, the news. We have to have a way that enables us to filter through those and find out what is truth. What are the messages that truly will enable me to build my life up in such a way so that I become the person God created me to be? But oftentimes, we neglect to think about the messages that surround us. And instead, we just respond to the things that we hear, the things that we see, rather than choosing to be intentional about what we listen to. We live in a world of noise. Let me give you some information on, on just how much information comes at you and I in a given day. University of California in San Diego did a, a, a study, and, and it says this. The deluge of information in modern times by the media and other information source has led to a daily bombing of the average human brain with such a large volume of information which could overload even a powerful computer, according to their research. According to this study conducted by the researchers of the University of California, San Diego, under um, Professor Roger Bond, and as reported in the Times of London, 
They believe that people are every day inundated with the equivalent amount of 34 gigabytes of information every single day. Within a week, that would overload almost any computer, at least any laptop, even a Mac. (laughs) Shocking. Through mobile phones, the internet, electronic mail, television, radio, newspaper, books, etc., people receive about 105,000 words or 23 words per second during our waking hours. Although we don't really read all those messages or necessarily recognize all of them, they have an impact on our life as they come through our eyes and through our ears. And after adding the pictures and the videos and the games, we reach a volume of 34 gigabytes of information a day, every single day. That's a lot, a lot of information. We live in a world of noise. And that's, that's the first point that I want us to look at here is today's message is, is really pretty simple. I have really just one thing to say, but you know, it'll take me a long time to say it. So just hang with me there. But we live in a world of noise And I don't know how they did this study, but the the Laboratory of Neuroimaging reports that the average person has between 20,000 and 70,000 thoughts a day. Now, I'm trying to figure out how you possibly could measure that. I'm sure they did some of it with, you know, some MRI scanning, some CAT scan, that kind of stuff. Probably wasn't somebody sitting there with a little um, clicker every time they had a thought. I don't think they would be able to do that and and come up with that that number. Uh, I don't know how accurate it is. But there are a lot of thoughts. What's more significant is there have been multiple studies that reveal that um, 80% of the thoughts that you and I have are negative. They are negative messages that are bombarding our brains, our minds, our hearts, and our souls every single day. Compounding that, 95% of the thoughts that you have today are the same thoughts you had yesterday and the day before. Only 5% of them are new. So therefore, if you start thinking about a negative thought, a negative image, it's gonna repeat over and over and over again and it's gonna be a message that comes so ingrained into your heart and your mind that you're gonna live based on belief that it is true, whether it is true or not. We live in a world of noise. But God has given us resources to be able to to approach that noise in a way that is healthy because much of that noise, much of the messages that we hear are the messages that come from the, the enemy. They are his lies. He will use the messages of the world to distract us. He will use his lies to deceive us and to keep us from building our life upon the truth of what God has said in his word. What God gives us is he gives us a way to be able to encounter those voices. He says this in 2 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. How powerful is that? 
those 80% of our thoughts which are negative, we're to take those captive. And the ones that are positive but are positive in a way that are prideful, we're to take those captive and make them obedient to Christ and examine them based upon the truth of God's word so that we choose only what is true to build our life upon. He goes on to say, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. In other words, that we grow in a process of learning what is true that we build our life on until we become complete in Christ. Verse seven says, look at what is before your eyes, what you can see and what is invisible would be the footnote I would insert in there. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so we all are. In other words, being in Christ is the truth that changes absolutely everything about all the messages, all the voices that are around us. God gives us resources that can help us turn down the noise of the enemy and of the world and that can defeat the assault of the accuser and build us up into Christ Jesus himself. The knowledge of God which comes from learning what he has spoken enables us to take every thought captive. And because of that, we're able to choose the messages we listen to. Now, the main point is this. It's point number two, if you've got your sermon notes there. God is speaking. Our God is a God who speaks. Everything that we see in creation, he spoke into existence. From the very beginning verses in Genesis, after it says that the, the earth was formless and void and there was darkness over the surface of the deep, we have this incredible event that happens because God simply opens up his mouth and speaks. And God said, let there be light. And at that moment, when he said those simple words, everything I just showed you on that little screen, that app, its potential came into being. All of those signals, all that radio wave activity and microwave and x-rays and all the other kinds of rays that are parts of the spectrum of light and parts of the spectrum of sound because he spoke and he created light. Both things came into existence at the same time. It is his creation and therefore he knows how best to manage all the messages that we hear. God is a God who not only has spoken in the past, but who continues to speak. I love this quote from Stephen Furtick. He says, God is faithful to speak. His voice rises from the pages of his word, which is the exact expression of his will. He speaks not only on Sunday mornings in the sanctuary where the congregation is gathered, but also in the stillness of his work scattered across the night skies. His spirit speaks with promptings that are not audible. Often they are much louder than that, always in perfect harmony with the scriptures and always resounding with perfect wisdom. Isn't that good? God is speaking from the very beginning. In fact, seven times in Genesis chapter one, God speaks to creation and everything responds. And then he speaks specifically to um, Adam and Eve, to humanity as he created them. But 
God is a God who speaks. And if we go all the way to the other end of the scripture, we look in Revelation, we have this continual invitation that comes from the Lord about letting he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And specifically in Revelation 3.20, Jesus is saying this to you and I right here, right now. Behold, pay attention. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. God is speaking. Do you believe it? Oftentimes, the roadblock that happens for us who have trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord is that we secretly believe the lie that God is speaking or has spoken to others, but he has little to say to me. If you can walk out of here with one truth, it would be to recognize that that is a lie. God is speaking. He is speaking through his word. He is speaking through events that happen in our lives. He is speaking through the still, small voice of his Holy Spirit. But we need to learn to tune in to what he says. So there are all kinds of examples of those who have heard God speak. The Old Testament and the New Testament are full of examples of people who heard God speak. But specifically, if we look at God's word, we get some instruction about who can hear what God says. And the first one is that we find um, that those who come to Jesus are able to hear. The Holy Spirit enables them to hear and be drawn to the Lord. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. He gives us promise of the resurrection. It is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. This comes out of Ezekiel. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father, where Jesus is speaking of himself. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. That's why Romans says faith comes by hearing. The only way that you or I ever came to faith in Jesus Christ was because at some point we listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit that was speaking maybe through a friend, maybe through a family member, maybe through a sermon, maybe through um, uh, reading of the scripture. We listened and heard the voice of the Holy Spirit calling you and I to Jesus Christ to simply invite us to call upon his name and be saved. He is speaking. And he doesn't speak just to bring us to salvation. That's the beginning part. God wants to have a conversation, a dialogue with you every single day. But until we believe that that is real, we will never experience it. I love how that verse brings all three members of of the Trinity engaged into our salvation. The Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus all speak into our lives uh, and into the lives of those who are drawn to faith in Christ. 
all who come to Jesus do so because God is speaking. Well, he goes beyond that in the verses that that Rindy read for us earlier. In John chapter 10, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles there to John chapter 10. um, Because we see there that every believer hears God's voice. This is the normal state of how it's supposed to be if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. You should hear his voice. Now, you may not hear an audible voice speaking to you when you ask the Lord whether you should, um, you know, order pizza or pho. Um, You may not get an answer on something like that. But if you're seeking him, he will speak to you. And the first and foremost place that he speaks is through what he has written. Everything that God says will be in perfect alignment with his word. This is why we have to treasure his word so dearly in our hearts. You know, sometimes I, I think it's, we, we've, we've lost sight of the value of God's word. God has written to you and I his heart, a description of who he is and who we are in him. And he hands it to us. Those of us that come from nations where we have such free access to the world, to the word, he hands it to us and he says, here is my message to you. Would you begin to listen? And as we begin to listen by reading of his word, he then ignites our heart and allows us to hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit speaking not only the words that are there in the scripture, but showing us how they apply to our life, how they transform our identity in Christ, how they apply to the circumstances that we face, the trials that we go through to every circumstance in our life. He is speaking. Here's what he said. Jesus' own words. John chapter 10, back up to verse one. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. And look what it says next. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee for him, for they did not know the voice of the strangers. Now, Jesus is using an illustration here about, uh, because he calls himself the good shepherd in just a few more verses later on. But he's comparing us to his sheep. And he makes this promise that he calls everyone who comes to faith in him alone as Savior and Lord by name. He didn't just call you. Maybe, maybe, you, um, maybe you made a decision for Christ and you were in some big event and, and it seemed like all kinds of people were responding um, and, and you just think, well, I, I, just, I, I went forward and I responded or, or however it came about. Maybe you were sharing with an individual. What the scripture tells us is that God is calling you individually and personally by name. How cool is that? If he's willing to call you to himself, not just to say, join a religion and, and go to church. He's calling you individually by name. If he does that, don't you think he has other things to say to speak into your life? 
But the question is, are we listening? Jesus said that those who know him know his voice and recognize when he is speaking to them. It is his promise. But they also will recognize when someone else is speaking, when there's a stranger's voice. In other words, he will give us by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the wisdom of his word discernment to be able to understand what is truly of God and what is not. That's one other reason why it's so important for us to immerse ourselves in God's word so that we can distinguish whether the voices that we hear are our own pride and self and sin speaking or that of the world or that of the enemy or the voice of God. But the promise is we can know if we seek. Do you believe it? God said it, but do you believe it? Jesus is our one true shepherd who looks out for us. He desires for us to know him intimately, so he speaks to us continually. And this and and the following lessons that we're going to look at over the next four weeks will help give us some tools so that we can rightly discern God's voice. But more importantly, more importantly, because here's what happens. You and I usually want to hear God's voice when we're in a crisis, when there's a decision before us. That's important. But if that's the only time you seek to listen to God's voice, you will miss out on the greatest joy in all the universe. Because the God of the universe wants to speak directly into your life about himself and about you and about others, about his greatness, about his gospel, about his kingdom, about the things that are dear to his heart, about the things that are dear to your heart. He wants to speak to you every day. Do you believe it? Jesus goes on in John chapter 10, verse 27, part of the verses that Rindy read for us. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus' gift to us when we respond to his voice is that he gives us eternal life, an eternal relationship with him. He promises that no one can take that away from you. Nothing can prevent us from experiencing that except our own disobedience and our own unbelief. Not the enemy, not the world, not the lies that we tend to believe. It says that he holds us close and he whispers. Now we're gonna look at a a passage of scripture next week about the whisper of God. Um, But I'm gonna jump way ahead to something I have later in the message just because I want you to to grab a hold of it before you fall asleep, okay? So I recognize it's warm. So here's the thing. Have you ever wondered why God whispers? Ever thought about that? I know in my own life, when I think about this, there have been certain circumstances where I was wishing he would speak a little louder, maybe shout, just, just a bit, paint something in the sky, you know, give me, send me an email, that would, a text message. I'd be, well, actually, I got, I got an email a couple months ago that was supposedly from, from God, and 
I'm not so sure. But um, any, anyhow, some of it didn't just seem to kind of really align with this here. But that's who the person who sent it to me said they were. So, y- y- you know, I, I discounted that one. But if you've ever thought about it, there's actually an incredibly important reason, two important reasons. Number one, if God used his outside voice with you and me, do you know what would happen? Yes, you would die. You would come apart. In fact, the scripture says that when he speaks, the earth trembles. So if God speaks out loud, you and I in that circumstance here within the brokenness of our world because of sin, we would be shattered. So that's on the negative side. In fact, we will reinforce that in a few, mo- few moments and look at them verses from the Psalms that, that tell us just how powerful his voice is. But there's a really positive reason that I want you to hear as to why God whispers. The reason he whispers because he's already so close. He is right there with you every moment. You don't have to go seek and find him. You don't have to go through all kinds of rituals and routines. You just have to be still and know that he is God and allow him to speak. He whispers because he is close. Isn't that beautiful? He's already there. But I'm too busy most of the time to hear him. So what are the things that God wants us to hear the most? He wants you to hear the good news, first of all, of what Jesus Christ has done for you and for all who believe. The great news of the gospel is that Jesus meets us right where we are. In all of our mess, in all of our brokenness, right in the the center of, of the sinfulness of who we are and what we have done, he speaks and says, come to me and find rest. That's the first thing he wants us to hear because into that, he speaks about what he has done for us to say that he's not gonna leave us where we are. He meets us where we're at, but he will never leave us there. He wants us to know that you are not just the mistakes, just the sins that you have committed. You are not all the light labels that have been put on you. You are not the lies of the enemy that he has tried to sell to you. You are who God says you are. And unless we immerse ourselves in his word, we'll never discover who he says we are. Because he says we are his child, the apple of his eye that we are sought after, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, that we are a new creation in Christ, that we are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have to counter the noise of the world that is all around us with the power of God's truth. We need to listen to his word and then live out his truth because this is where life is found. The number one tactic of the enemy is deception. This is what he did in the garden. His number two tactic is distraction. If Satan can deceive you with with lies, you will not listen to God's truth. And if he can distract you with the world's noise, you will not follow the whisper of God who is calling you to find life and wholeness in Christ Jesus. This is why hearing 
God is so important. The foundation that we need to build our lives on comes from what God's word says about us, what Jesus speaks for us, and what the Holy Spirit speaks in us. Those three voices are incredibly important. God's word shows us our need, that we're separated from God because of our sin. But it also shows us what Jesus has done, that he has stepped in and that he has not only borne our sin, but he now stands against the accuser and says, he and she is mine. There is no accusation that sticks because he speaks for us. And then the Holy Spirit, through his word, will speak in us to show us how to live a life that reflects who Christ is and what he has done. All of our identity struggles are fundamentally misunderstandings of who God is. When we misunderstand God, we will also have a false view of who we are and who others are. This is what Satan tried to do with Adam and Eve to give them a false view of God. Our guilt issues are a misunderstanding of God's grace. Jesus' grace gave us what we could never earn. He speaks for us and says to the accuser, I don't think so. They're in me. Control issues are a misunderstanding of God's sovereignty. Out of fear, we seek to take control because we do not understand and believe that God is both in, in control and immeasurably good. Even the anger issues that oftentimes we respond with are misunderstandings of God's mercy because we forget how much mercy God has already poured out upon us. I don't deserve what I think I do. But because I believe the lie, I tend to judge others in order to try to lift up my own importance. Pride issues are a misunderstanding of God's greatness. Trust issues are a misunderstanding of God's goodness. And if we struggle with any of those, it's time to let God be the loudest voice in your life. That's really the message. Choose to make his voice the loudest voice in your life. If your life is out of sync, if you're feeling defeated, maybe it's because you've been listening to too many other voices, the voice of self, the voice of the world, the voice of the enemy, and not tuning in to God's voice. God says he delights in us. He says in Psalm 149, verse 4, For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. God delights in you. I, I don't know about you, but um, you know, we are blessed with six grandchildren. And we love our children. They are awesome. Our grandchildren are even better. Okay. <laughs> And, um, and, you know, so when I get messages from them, man, I delight in them. I mean, even the silly things, like our daughter wrote us, you know, I heard this text go off on my phone about one o'clock in the morning because they're in the United States. And unfortunately, uh, I was wise enough not to, to look at it. But this morning when I looked at it, my daughter sent us this, um, this little story to uh, her brothers and, and Becky and I. It says, Avery lost her first tooth. Avery is uh, a six-year-old granddaughter of ours. 
she lost her first tooth. And so she told her, well, go take that tooth and put it in a safe place till later tonight. And, uh, and so she went and she put it in a little orange cup and set it on the counter. Did exactly what she was supposed to do. A few minutes later, um, maybe a half hour or so later, Melissa, our daughter, hears our grandson Ezra come in and say, all done, mommy. Ezra's um, two. And, and he had been eating popcorn out of an orange cup. There was no more tooth. <laughs> so somewhere inside her brother is her first lost tooth. <laughs> I delighted in that. I thought it was pretty cool. So God delights in us the same way. Now you're all going to be grossed out by that, but that's all right. If you've had children, you understand this is just, that's just normal, unfortunately. <laughs> God takes delight in us. Not only does he take delight in us, how great is the Father's love he has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. That's the message of 1 John 3, 1. He is a loving parent who wants to fill your life with his presence and with his love. Zephaniah 3, 17 is, is such a great, great verse. In fact, we're gonna, we're gonna sing it in the as part of the, the last song. It's, it's one of the verses in Reckless Love. It says this, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with loud singing. I love that. I love that. <laughs> but really the word, <laughs> the word rejoicing there I've shared this before, but I just think it's so good, I'm going to do it again. It literally means to spin around and dance. It's saying God not only sings over you and over me, he dances because he delights in us. This image of God is one that we might not be used to, of God rejoicing over us. But remember his words at creation. After he had made everything and he made Adam and Eve, he said, it is very good. You see, he remembers what he made and he sees how it's grown in value because of the price that had to be paid to bring us back. And he rejoices even more because he loves us. Well, the reasons why we don't hear God's voice are these. The first one is simply this, and we'll expand on this in the, in the weeks to come. But the first one is the amplitude of unbelief. Many people do not hear God speaking because they do not believe that he really is. They really, they don't, either they don't believe in him at all, or they don't believe in the God of the Bible and in Jesus Christ, or having come to embrace and to believe at least that much that they trust in Christ, they do not believe that God would ever speak to them. Therefore, they do not take the time to listen. It doesn't mean that maybe we don't want to hear from God, but if we don't believe he's really speaking, we're not going to hear his voice. The second reason that keeps us from hearing God's voice is the static of sin. 
If you aren't willing to listen to everything that God has to say to you, you eventually won't hear anything he has to say. Some of the things he has to say to us are uncomfortable because they confront, they convict us of our sin. But that is for our good. It is not for your harm. It is so that you can become who God created you to be and find wholeness in him. But the static of sin, of disobedience, will keep us from listening to what he has to say. If you want to hear God's comforting voice, you also have to listen to his convicting voice. That's why I um, constantly remind us and remind myself to obey the Spirit promptly. We have to, if we want to hear God speak more, we have to obey what he's already told us to do. Sin will close our ears to God's voice. Thirdly, white noise. Does everybody know what white noise is? White noise is, is a noise that comes across all frequencies of sound. Um, the simplest form of night wo- uh, white noise may be the fan that some of you sleep with, not so much for the air, but so that it kind of drowns out the sound of the city. That's what I do. Well, because the fan produces all these frequencies, the sounds around it begin to become indistinguishable. They get lost in the white noise of the fan. That's what the noise of the world is. The voice of God can be crowded out when our life is so filled with the messages of this world. We're not able to tune in to his voice. And then the fourth reason that we often do not hear God speak is um, what I call channel surfing. We're restless. We often don't hear his voice because we are so busy trying to solve our own problems in our own resources that we go from one thing to the next in search of answers and help. And we may stop for a moment as we're flipping through those and, and throw up a prayer to the Lord. Um, Lord, help me um, to stop this. Don't let this bad thing happen. Don't let me lose my job. Whatever the prayer is. But then we go on within just a short period of time to try to solve it in our own strength. Instead of stopping and saying, Lord, what do you have to say to me, period? Whether it's about this circumstance or not. What do you want to speak to me? What do you want me to hear? What do I need to hear? But in order to do that, we have to be still. We have to slow down enough to listen. Ezekiel 3 verse 10 says, and he said to me, son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words that I speak to you. That's God's invitation to each one of us is to listen. So here are some guidelines to hearing God's voice and this is where we're gonna close. Number one, we have to seek him personally. The great example that we have in the scripture is that Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, made the greatest intention of his, of his um, earthly ministry slipping away to spend time with the Father. You and I have to do the same thing. We will not hear his voice if we don't stop and seek him. Secondly, we have to tune in to his word frequently. Focus on what he has already spoken. This is why we need his word as part of our daily routine. 
Thirdly, we need to be still. Remember that God whispers to his children because he's already close. And then in that process, begin to meditate on what God is speaking. Write it down. Don't let it slip away. Show the value that it really deserves. And then obey what he tells you to do. If we practice those guidelines, and we'll give some more instruction in the, in the weeks to come on how to do that, you will begin to hear God speak more and more. Now, I've put also some discerning um, notes there in your sermon notes that I'm not gonna take the time to go through today, but I want to encourage you to look at because it's not, not just every voice that we hear is necessarily from the Lord. But if we wanna hear him speak, here's what I wanna ask you to do. It's really simple. Go ahead and get your phone out. You've been wanting to check your email anyway or Facebook. Get your phone out. Open up your calendar app. And I want you to pick a time, today or tomorrow, where you can carve out a few moments and make an appointment right now to be still and seek God. I know you have a busy life. I know you've got all kinds of things you've got to do, but you can find some time to do it. Put it in your calendar. Set an alert, an alarm, and choose to be still. Be still, and you will know that he is God. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. You need to pick a passage of scripture. Maybe there's something that's already on your heart. That's great. If you need a, a, um, a suggestion, I would choose one of the Psalms. In fact, maybe the best one to start with is Psalms 46. The verse I've been quoting, be still and know that I am God, is from Psalms 46.10. And it's a, it's a psalm that talks about a world full of noise, that is a, noise, a world that's falling apart all around them. And in the midst of that is the instruction, be still and know that I am God. Read through that psalm and meditate on it. Read it like it's speaking directly to you. And listen for what the Lord wants to say. Heavenly Father, thank you that you're a God who speaks. Thank you that you're a God who loves us so much that you want to communicate with us. Lord, forgive us for taking for granted your word, for taking for granted that somehow in our own wisdom we'll know what's right and wrong, we'll know what to do. When we have you close by, ready to whisper into our hearts all the things that we truly need to hear. So Lord, let today be a day where we turn away from unbelief and we turn away from the noise of the world and we choose to be still and know that you are God. Lord, open our ears to hear what you are speaking. Even as you say in Revelation, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Lord, would you speak to us both individually and as a church that we may respond to your direction and follow you 
with all that we are. Speak over us, Lord. Thank you that you rejoice over us. Thank you that you rejoice over us even in loud singing. Thank you for your reckless, amazing, indescribable love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.